that's just also the unique uniqueness of the festival. You know, everybody just jumps in and helps. Even the years that it has rained and last minute we've had to change the outside pageant to the, in the inside pageant. You know, you're just in pure chaos, but everybody jumps in to help. Appalachia Meets World, a podcast about place and perspective, but always Appalachian. Neil, guess we're back with episode two. How's it going? What's going on? Pretty good, man. Lots of allergies down here in Appalachia uh, right now. Yeah. I'm a little uh, stuffy because uh, everything's uh, starting to bloom and happens happens to us down here every year. Yeah, for some reason, I bypassed the whole allergy thing. I haven't quite been able to kick it. So what else? Anything else going on? Oh, you know, just... Uh, busy with the kids had a birthday party today for uh, our little our little niece that we went to she was super excited all the stuff she was getting for her birthday you know she turned three you would have thought she was uh, happiest happiest day of her life it was awesome well it was a good day it was warm here so when it's warm it's always a good day my dog yeah. stays outside all day long when it's warm of course you know i have one outside all the time but and one inside that's the way we do it down here. <laughs> well, first time we got a dog, my wife said uh, it was going to be an inside dog. I didn't know what that meant. You know how we grew up. All our dogs lived outside and just roamed the mountains. So yeah. I didn't know what an inside dog was when we first got Tucky, which was our first dog. We let him inside. Now I can't imagine the dog being outside. Yeah, whatever you get used to, I guess, and just wasn't that way growing up for us so i'm i'm uh i'm pretty excited about the episode tonight we have ashley maiden from the kentucky mountain Auto festival as we get into the interview you'll hear but she's our cousin but she's also the co-chair or i guess you could say assistant executive director but she's the co-chair of the kentucky mountain Auto festival this year which is a small small town festival in pineville kentucky where neil and i grew up means a lot to us and we just wanted to kind of get her take on the festival festivals are super important to small towns you know we've talked about that before Neil how yeah one from an economic perspective obviously it brings in funding brings in revenue over that period of time when you're having a festival but also just from a pride perspective and from a community perspective how it brings a community together one thing we wanted to do in this episode was see if that small town community pride, how we feel like it, it's, it is in Appalachia, if it's like that everywhere, which I imagine it is. We've also interviewed Gwen Arunda from Holland, Michigan. She's the executive director of the Tulip Time Festival in Holland, Michigan. Just to get a, an alternative perspective from someone that's not in Appalachia to see what their small town festival means to them. I don't know, Neil, if you have anything to say about the uh, Kentucky Mountain Lawn Festival or Ashley or, or the upcoming uh, interviews. Yeah, I think you touched on it. Ashley's our, our cousin. It was kind of easy to get her booked. The sense of pride that, that she has for the festival and that we have as well is just, you know, evident. I know we talked about what the Kentucky Mountain Art Festival is, but didn't didn't we say we were going to mention some of those other festivals that are uh, kind of surround the mountains? Yeah, <laughs> almost every small town in Appalachia has its own thing, its own festival, its own parade, its own celebration. I said, you know, most small towns do. do. I think in Appalachia, it's even more apparent to celebrate the traditions uh, or the heritage that we have here a lot of the festivals are are around like like the mountain art festival is around you know the fauna or the the flower uh around kind of the history of that in the area but yeah are, are there other other festivals that you've been to that you can remember or uh, around appalachia that that kind of comes to mind well i've been to several but the one that i'm thinking about right now is hillbilly days in pike county yeah the I mean, hillbilly what, days what? What a name, first of all. I mean, uh, how can you get any more Appalachian than that? But, uh, you know, so Pike County's got Hillbilly Days, which is, you know, a, a big, big event over there for, uh, I think it's like four days. 
over there in Pike County, which is far eastern Kentucky. Have you been um, to? It? Yeah, I've been to it. Yeah, yeah I thought uh, so. Twice actually. Uh, one that I'm pretty sure that you haven't been to the the Spoonbread Festival in in Berea. That's kind of yeah. on the I've, cusp of Appalachia. But, and one one of the cool things they do there on the kind of the last day of the uh, of the event is uh, they have all these hot air balloons. Uh, they go up and have lights in them kind of at the, at dusk. And it just provides a really, really cool atmosphere. And everybody kind of sits around and watches those hot air balloons. Uh, it's pretty neat. Of course, the Daniel Boone festival in Barberville, Kentucky, uh, you know, obviously Daniel Boone went through this part of the world. And, uh, so they have a, they have the Daniel Boone festival. I've been to several times, which, cause that's where my wife is from apple days in, uh, Paintsville, okay. uh, up in, up in Eastern Kentucky. I've never been to apple days, but I know several people from there that just, you know, talk about how great it is. Well, I, uh, I mean, I know, I know a few festivals that they're kind of based on nature and obviously Appalachia, has plenty of that. But the Whippoorwill Festival, have you heard of that? No. Babyville, but I, I think that's a cool name. I mean, Whippoorwill. I'm, pre I'm pretty sure that's the name of that rock you used to jump off of at the <laughs> lake. Whippoorwill? <laughs> Whippoorwill. <laughs> but, yeah, the Whippoorwill, I know it kind of generated from anti-mountaintop remo removal, but it was kind of to promote sustainability or at least sustainable living in Appalachia. I just like the name Whippoorwill Festival. And there's also yeah, cool. seed, seed Time Festival in Cumberland. Uh, I don't know if you've ever heard of that, but it's uh, it's probably 40 years old. It's something I've never been to, but again, about the culture and the kind of nature uh, in Appalachia. Rhododendron Festival, talking about nature. It's, it's yeah, everybody, uh, everybody loves the rhododendron. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's in Tennessee, though. It's in Tennessee and Appalachia. Um, just apparently, it's been going on since 1947, and it celebrates the world's largest natural rhododendron garden. Uh, oh, you can't forget this other one I'm going to talk about. You, you know where I'm going. The <laughs> world famous. Oh, yeah. Chicken festival. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So you tell, you know, tell the listeners all about the chicken festival. Well, I'm yeah, sorry, so, the world. World chicken festival. So those of you that uh, don't know, which most of you I'm sure do, but, uh, you know, in case you've never heard of it, uh, the world chicken festival is in London, Kentucky. Uh, world's largest frying pan is present every year. Um and why did why were we designated the spot to have the World Chicken Festival? If you've ever eaten at a KFC, the first one ever was in Laurel County, Kentucky, which is London, Kentucky. And, uh, the good Colonel Sanders is from Laurel County, so uh, we got uh, dibs on the World Chicken Festival. And uh, you know, it's a it, it is a cool event. I mean, everybody in town is all about it. There's well over a hundred thousand people that visit it every year. So uh, I would consider that a pretty big festival. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, people from all around the world, literally claim everybody the from everybody from London, everybody from Pittsburgh, everybody <laughs> yeah. from East Bernstadt. Uh, yeah, they're, they're everywhere. And there's also uh, festivals, you know, throughout Appalachia. I know there's one in Tennessee. I think it's Kingsport, the fall culture music tradition the the fall folk arts festival or the the leaf the leaf festival in black mountain north carolina probably 40 years old and something i've never been to but i hear that they bring in like around 400 performers um six stages they do it annually which is i think pretty cool there's one in west virginia called the mothman festival that i'm, I'm not too familiar with but i think there's this folklore around the Mothman. I don't know the name of it, but there's another one called the Woodbooger Wood Booger Festival in, in Norton, Virginia. And it's, its claim is that the Woodbooger is Big, Bigfoot's Appalachian cousin. Oh, yeah. Woodbooger, sure yeah. You can picture that, the Woodbooger. Yeah, I think Dad told us about that one night. 
<laughs> uh, I'm not sure. I'm not sure he said wood booger or something else. <laughs> <laughs> something, to, something to look up, though. I've seen a list of, of a lot of these festivals, and maybe we can post it to our site and, and the listeners can go check it out there. Uh, but but there's a number, obviously, of, of festivals. One one festival I did want to point out, and it, but it, but it's in Cincinnati, which obviously is not Appalachia. But and there's so so many Appalachians that migrated to Cincinnati for for work. There are a lot of expats. There are a lot of Appalachians, especially back in the day, but a lot of Appalachians that are in Cincinnati. So they in Cincinnati they have the Appalachian festival every year. I don't know when that falls. We'll have to post that too. I think it's, I think it actually is coming up. It, it just kind of goes to show you that the importance of festivals, the importance of celebrations to small towns, to Appalachia, it gives us a that regained sense of pride. Something we want to talk about tonight, just to get Appalachia's perspective, but get a different perspective to see how it's important, why it's important for the community, and how that tradition kind of lives on through people that are from there, people that leave there and participated in at one time like us. I have vivid memories of, of the Mountain Lawn Festival, and you know we've talked about it before, and we'll get into it in the in the interview, but. You know, it holds a special place in my heart. Yeah, and that, you know, we've talked about a lot of different festivals, but there's there's none better uh, throughout the region uh, than the Mountain Laurel Festival with its rich history. And I'm sure Ashley will will talk about this as we dive into this interview. But it's the second oldest festival in the state of Kentucky, over a hundred years old at this point, second to the running of the Kentucky Derby. So uh, I think that just goes to show you how families can can really carry things over years over years over years over years to to make you know their area significant for uh that little brief spot once a year yeah i, I look forward to talking to ashley here yeah i do too and that's that's something that um i know we spoke about in the last episode uh, we were going to kind of break this up into segments and have the first segment on where are you from? Every time we, we speak to someone, especially outside of Appalachia, that's the first thing we get. But we wanted to make that a segment and just talk about the headlines that are happening in Appalachia. But I think we've kind of already done that with the Kentucky Mountain Art Festival. You know, that's coming up. It's always the last weekend in May, which just happens to be Memorial Day weekend, too. I guess we can just get into the interview with Ashley and Gwen. Hey, Ashley, thanks for joining us today. Want to tell us a little bit about yourself, about the Mountain Laurel Festival. That's kind of why we had you on the show. Me and Neil already talked about how important the Kentucky Mountain Laurel Festival is to us. When we grew up, we both were in it. We both are directors now. It's just something that, you know, traditions are really important for the mountains, for Appalachia, and, and that's one, one tradition that, we always try to come back to that are associated with that just makes us feel like home. But before I ask that first question, we always ask our guests um, an icebreaker question. And as Appalachia is big on tradition, we wanted to ask one of our traditions, as you well know, in our family, we, we have appetizers at the holidays and we, me and Neil have our favorite appetizers. And we didn't know if you had a favorite appetizer and whether it's at the holidays or any other time. I'm glad it's that type of question instead of something else. I was really getting a little nervous. <laughs> here. We're going to already do an icebreaker. Yeah. Uh, I think when we all get together, my favorite appetizer, I think maybe um, Amber makes it. It's like a cheese dip with a sauce on top. Oh, yeah. Crackers. Not really sure the exact name of it. Um, Doesn't have to have a name doesn't have to have name it's just what amber's supposed to bring you know and she or just knows on top or it's like, a, it's like a jelly or something on yeah, top what a is jelly it? On yeah. Top. yeah 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 that's, that's good. good i mean oh, it's yeah. coming in with a tight you know tight tie with dad's shrimp though i'll have to say absolutely I always, <laughs> nothing better. I always miss out on the shrimp i haven't been 
<laughs> we don't have shrimp in my household. So. We'll have to mail you some. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and for, for, for the listeners that don't know, uh, Ashley is our cousin and Amber is our sister. Just uh, fill you in. Yeah. So family traditions are tight. So uh, I'm sure we both all three can tell stories on each other, but I was the um, younger cousin that got drugged to every boarding event or schooling event that these two ever did by our grandparents. And um, and you're better for we it. Were, yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> we went to every single thing every one of us did. That's Appalachia, so, that tight yeah. community family. I actually was thinking about it after Neil called me about uh, doing this tonight, I said, I don't know if we should mention it, but I guess you could say uh, small world that now I'm am married to uh, somebody that I probably watched play basketball a hundred times that I never even knew <laughs> until yeah. on that first date, and he went to school with Neil, and now we're married. But yeah, I knew what I was doing. Yeah, <laughs> I knew you had some up your sleeve, Ashley. Uh, like I said before reason we wanted to have you on here is because of the Kentucky Mountain Honor Festival. You know, we've said how important it is to us. We know how important it is to you, but we just wanted to hear from you, you know, what you, you can go ahead and say what the Kentucky Mountain Honor Festival is and then uh, just talk about your role this year and in the past. Okay. So the um, Kentucky Mountain Honor Festival, of course, is the home, is home of uh, Pineville, Kentucky, which is where I was raised, where I'm currently living. The Kentucky Mount Laurel Festival, I don't know if you all know this, but it is the second oldest festival in the state of Kentucky. Um, the only ongoing festival that's longer than the KMLF is the Derby, which takes place the first weekend in May, whereas the Kentucky Mount Laurel Festival takes place the last weekend in, in May every year. The festival has, just like anything else, it has a president, it has a chairman, a co-chair, and then it has different committees. I have served in several different capacities of the festival. Like you all said that you all participated, as did I in kindergarten, again in the high school level, first grade, you know, just all throughout the schooling career. And then for the past 10 years, I've actually been the arrangements chairperson, which I know that sounds weird, but um, that's just the name of a committee that is formed and I was the chairperson of that this year I was asked to be co-chair of the whole festival so um, next year I will be the chairman of the festival our chairman this year is is Jacob Rohn and he asked me to uh, be his co-chairman so we are planning a COVID year of festival which is interesting Um, but you know last year we didn't get to have it and the only other time that we didn't get to have the festival were during the war years that also kind of failed in the same time as the flood. So those were a few years that we didn't get to have the festival other than last year. So that was kind of a crazy year. But uh, we are coming back this year, hopefully better than ever. We're really looking forward to it. And for the listeners that don't know, the Mount Laurel Festival has the, a pageant. It, it kind of concludes with with the big uh, pageant, which is which takes a girl from each college throughout Kentucky. Is that correct? Yes, each college that wants to participate, you know, we do have some colleges sometimes that don't participate, but normally in an average year, you have about 25 to 30 girls that come from all different colleges in the state of Kentucky, whether it be, you know, community colleges that are here in Kentucky or four-year colleges. And the governor always shows up to crown the crown the princess. I always thought that was, that was yeah. one of the Yeah, and the governor things. is confirmed he's coming this year. We're being extra say, careful. I just want to say, too. <laughs> Uh, one thing that I think is really neat about the Mountain Oil Festival is that when all those participants come from the around the state of Kentucky to this little small town in eastern Kentucky, uh, the participants have to stay with families in the local community. So they don't stay at a hotel. They stay with other families so that the other families can kind of share their family traditions with those contestants. And over the years, they've built some lifelong relationships with people all throughout the state, which is uh, really cool, I think. Yeah, they come back every year sometimes and stay with that same family. They definitely show them Southern hospitality. 
And that's what I was in charge of arrangements. That's what that was to gather the girls from the different colleges who also bring escorts who also stay in homes. So you're, if you're looking at having 25 girls from the state of Kentucky from different colleges, you also have 25 boys there as well because, you know, they're escorting. So that's several homes that we uh, have to find for these kids to stay in for the weekend. But we don't usually have a problem getting people of Pineville to open up their homes. I think that's an important point that, that that's kind of like the Appalachian culture of, of family and, and, you know, everybody's welcoming and just to invite someone into your home that you don't even know w- without, without regard. I mean, that's just goes to show kind of. The, yeah, they don't meet these girls beforehand. They don't have a phone number. They don't even, you know, they just have a school, you know, Will Warren, you're keeping UK. Okay. That's all the information you get, you know? So yeah. when UK arrives at your door on Thursday afternoon, these candidates usually are greeted with these families by flowers or gift bags, you know, full of snacks or gifts for the weekend. And, you know, I can remember as a kid, always keeping a queen candidate. And I always loved that because for once she stayed in my room. And as a little girl, you know, you think that's a princess staying in your room, which is like a dream come true. (laughs) But no, I got to help her all weekend get ready. And you have multiple outfit changes and you know so that's just something that is unique like you said and you know you don't really see that very often but I can always remember the girls too especially the ones that you know were from colleges that weren't in Appalachia they would always say how great of a time they had how they want to come back and they do they come back year after year um, just because of that one experience that they had in the mountain yeah they always come back they always sometimes even contact us and want to serve on committees and want to help so Ashley, uh, you know, you've done a great job of kind of explaining what what it's all about. But what does uh, why do you, why do you think uh, it's been such a big part of your life personally? Yeah, uh, I really uh, probably take it a little bit more serious than anybody else does. So when I was asked this year to be co-chairman, of course, that I thought that was an honor and I took it to heart and and of course jumped it as soon as Jacob asked me. But um I think for one reason that I think it's just so dear to me is when you start this tradition of the festival and, you know, with me, it started as a young kid with all my family being involved, you know, that's something that we wanted to continue and to be successful of this year when he asked me to be co-chair I had a hard time handing over my arrangements notebook to the girl that was going to take my place you know this year since I was serving as the new role just because you know you work so hard for something for so long to be so successful to come to a town that you love and it probably starts back with where my grandfather was the mayor for so long um you talked about festival and you know he started shaking in his boots he was so excited and then now dad being mayor and you know he gets really excited about the festival it's just something that we really taken pride in and it's something else that is really unique to Pineville you know sometimes you'll go down the street and somebody's house may not be fixed up or there may be a trash can laying out you know in the road or something but during festival week everybody's house is perfect there's no trash laying anywhere you know the city's got the flags up they've got the flowers planted they make sure that everything is nice and neat and I'll tell you this I have my festival sign sitting down at my front porch waiting to be put up you know right after derby so it's just something that I think that we cherish that is a part of our town that we just take so much pride in and want it to be perfect and you you know you know of course you want to impress the out-of-towners you know they always want to say hey you did a great job but you know it's something that we work on all year round you think those you think those out-of-towners are expecting what they get from the festival. I mean, they're coming to Appalachia. They've never been to Appalachia, and you know how kind of Appalachia is perceived. Do you, do you think coming in that they are expecting, you know, what what they get when they get when they get there? I think they expect like what you're describing. Oh, we're going to Pineville, this little bitty Pineville. town of Pineville, and all that goes along with it. And then when they get here, they're like what we were talking about. They're they're wild, and they can't believe it. They want to come back. When your governor visits, whether you like your governor or not, but when your governor makes time to come visit your event, that's a pretty pretty big deal. And, you know, he won't be the only politician here. You know, we'll have several. 
and we do every year. Um, we always have a unique grand marshal that leads our parade, whether it be like a UK basketball player or coach or even somebody that's won the voice that's been local from here. Yeah, you got Maddie and Tay coming this year, right? Yes, and I, I was going to mention them because, um, you know, this year was kind of easy to, to schedule a concert, which our concerts are opening event on Thursday night. And every contestant that is in the queen pageant that we spoke about, but we also have a princess pageant that every girl from every high school in the state of Kentucky comes for so the princesses are high school and the queens are college and they both introduce themselves and then we have the opening kickoff concert it's maddie and tay this year and not a lot of people have concert schedules so it was kind of easy you know to narrow down who we wanted yeah just, this year yeah we just had to make sure we had the money for it right um but but, you, we, but even in the past you've had some big you know big brought in some big names we have yeah um several big names and you know it's been held at Bell County High School for years indoors before that it was held at the state park in the cove this year it's being held on the Pineville football field um, due to COVID and that has made more uh, available seating for you know like just reserve seating up to general admission seating we have about uh, less than 100 tickets left oh wow um, so it's been the biggest ticket seller that we've ever had. So I don't know if people are fancy to get out or they just want to see Maddie Tay. Or I think it's a little combination of both, probably. Yeah. So we're pretty excited about that. You've spoke of it a little bit, but one of my favorite parts of the festival, and it's not it's not really a big part and not many, not everyone even knows about it, but the breakfast on Saturday mornings before the parade. I think is the coolest part because it brings the entire, you know, everyone's welcome. It brings the entire community there. If they want to roll in and eat breakfast before the parade and, you know, you see everyone from every part of town, just walking through the line, mingling, talking to each other. It just brings that community out, but the, you know, there's so much support behind the festival, but it also just brings everyone together. And it's just that kind of that Appalachian culture that I see. I, I think it's one of the, I don't know. I just think it's really cool to go to, to see, to be a part of. Yeah. So what he's talking about, a big, huge white tent almost feels like as big as a football field. I mean, it's not that big, but it feels like it. And there's tables and seats under it, a big, huge buffet of food, um, presentation of fruit, um, live bands playing. um, All free for the community. Yeah, and it's usually provided um, through the Pineville Community Hospital. And actually, about four years ago, I was the marketing director at the Pineville Hospital. Since then, the the hospital has went and seen their trying era of bankruptcy and that sort of thing. And I am not working there any longer. But at the time that I was working there, I was the marketing director. And that was part of my job was to put on that breakfast. So it takes lots and lots and lots of money obviously to put on that breakfast because of all the food um the tent rentals table rentals all that but that is a big undertaking so we started about 4 a.m that morning setting everything up to get it all ready for the 10 o'clock kickoff of the parade because like you said everybody comes to eat and they start about 8 30. it's not a heavy meal but it's enough to get you through because your next event is As a director, you all know this, going up to the state park to eat with the governor at the governor's launching. So you don't really need anything heavy to watch the parade, but it is something that's very nice because not only do you get to see the candidates and see everybody that you've not been able to see yet, you also are getting a good meal out of it. So, yeah, and it's right there where the parade passes by. So after your meal, you don't have to go very far. Yeah, so Ashley mentioned parade. Some of you listeners may be thinking, parade what's a parade or or hopefully you've seen the uh macy's thanksgiving day parade but for everybody in small town eastern kentucky the parade in pineville on saturday morning for the for the festival is very similar to the macy's thanksgiving day parade bigger yeah. <laughs> in, in perspective yeah i mean for the amount of people that live in pineville versus the amount of people that are in new york city absolutely it's bigger I can remember when I was little on the fire truck, I thought it was the biggest thing ever. It's awesome. And, you know, our parade's unique. You know, we don't have 
we have in the past had one or two of the big balloons from the parade, like Macy's parade, like, you know, that sort of feel. Um, I think one year they brought one in that they actually used in the Macy's parade, but then they discovered that it was a little hard to get it through Pineville because of power lines and that sort of thing. But so we've not had one of those other than that one time, but something unique about our parade is we've been talking about these queen candidates. You cannot ride in the parade on a convertible. I mean, you know, you see like Miss America in the Macy's parade, um, or you see other parades that you would see somebody sitting on a convertible riding through. What's unique about the festival is you cannot ride on a Corvette or whatever type of car through the parade unless you are a queen candidate. So that's pretty unique, I think, because, you know, that kind of keeps the level high for those girls, you know, to the expectation of a queen to be brought through that whole parade on the back of that car. And we don't let anybody else but them do that. So that's yeah. something that's pretty unique. That's so cool. You know, you mentioned you, you've been a part of it, your parents, your grandparents, it's kind of gone down the line. I, I expect that you want your children to be a part of it, just not only because of tradition, but because it's so important to you. Yeah. And, um, you know, that was almost a school decision last year <laughs> when we moved to Pineville, because that's another unique thing. The girl that gets to carry the crown at the Cove, which is a kindergarten student, little girl, um, and the little boy gets to carry the train of the queen. I was that little girl that got to carry the crown. Um, ben, my brother, carried the train. You have to attend a, the city school, which is Pineville School, to be able to be eligible to be considered to carry the crown or the train. So, unfortunately, my kids are not at the city school, which is where I graduated. Oh, and no. <laughs> my kids are at the county school, which is where the turf wars, the small town turf wars. <laughs> yes, which we live about across the street from the school, but. Um, that was one of the big decisions, you know, that was kind of a deal breaker, I guess. I wanted to really send Maddie to kindergarten at Pineville and just for the festival, but it wouldn't have mattered because it got canceled last year. <laughs> <laughs> um, but that is See, a unique thing. You have to be a yeah, kindergarten student at Pineville to be considered to do that. But in first grade, every elementary school sends a little girl to sit around the the pond in the pink dresses. So she will get to participate in that. But now my boys won't get to carry the train because I guess they'll be stuck at Bell High. But um, that's okay. Maybe they can escort somebody. But um, in high school, you can also participate as a princess or in college. So maybe she'll get the chance to do that. So yeah, you start out young participating and then you just keep on going. You know, we're all still going. I think mom and dad have both been chairman two or three times. Your all's mom has been president. And just, I think we've all served in every position possible. Yeah. Just just to give the listeners a little perspective, when we talk about Pama, when we talk about Bell County, we're not talking about these large bigger towns. We're talking about Pineville, Kentucky, which has a population of what, 1,500? Maybe. 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 Yeah. yeah. So, you know, to, to put, to organize something like this, to put this on, on a town this size, you know, it takes the whole community. It takes, you know, it, it, takes, it takes a village um, to put something like this on and, and Pineville does it so well. And, you know, I, I know Neil is, I'm super proud to be from Pineville one, but to be, have been part of the festival and to be part of the festival, uh, just, uh, you know, I'll let anybody know that asks, you know, where I'm from and, and talk about the festival. I could talk about it all day long. I just think it, you know, it holds a special place in my heart. Yeah, I could talk about it all day long, too. And usually after the festival, we go to the lake to um, rest, you know, because it's just such <laughs> a uh, tiring weekend. And usually by the time we get to the lake and we're with uh, some friends and family they're like okay we've heard enough y'all gonna have to quit talking about it We're, you know we just want to talk about it all the time but uh, don't, don't lie you go to the lake just to complain and, and talk about how you would have done this better you would have done yeah, that better yeah true <laughs> well, I've already told Jacob I said don't be spending all my money this year I've got big plans next year. <laughs> Ashley I, I don't know if there's anything well I'll, I'll, I'll give you you know, your 30 second pitch to tell everyone listening when the festival is, um, when it starts. And if they, you know, if they're from out of town to, to come on, 
come on to Pineville and, and check it out. So when exactly is it? Yeah, so it's Memorial Day weekend every year. So, you know, those dates kind of shift every year, but it's always Memorial Day weekend. So this year, I think that's May 27th. Is that Thursday? These boys also forgot to tell you listeners that I just had a baby Wednesday. So, you know, (laughs) Uh, the third baby, it's, it's been a shocker. So, uh, but you, but, but but, but had it been anything else other than the festival, you probably would have told us no. I would have told you no, but since it's the festival, I told you yes. (laughs) Um, And usually I was going to say, usually, you know, Pineville doesn't have a hotel. Pineville only has a state park, but it, you know, they have a hotel at the state park and, you know, it's booked every year. So if you're coming, I would suggest you make some plans to stay because you don't want to just come for one day because you won't be able to do everything. You won't be able to get everything in. We have downtown attractions. We have a carnival. Um, It's definitely, you you can't get in all the events. Yeah. It's definitely a multiple day event. Yeah. So get your room, book your room in Barberville or Corbin or somewhere local and come down for, we hope the weekend. But um, like I said, we, I think that this one's going to be a big year. That's great. I, uh, I'm sure you, that baby's somewhere close. We want to, we don't want to keep you too long, but something that uh, we, we kind of want to And I don't know if you have any more questions for Ashley right now, Neil. Hey, no, Ashley's like Coach Cal. I used to ask her one. She goes with it. I love it. <laughs> yeah, I know. We didn't, we didn't really have to ask too many. You, you just kind of took the lead. But um, one, thing we did, <laughs> one thing we did want to end on, something that we ask everyone, um, the festival side, what is it that you think that makes the, your community unique or your community Appalachian? What, what um, to you, what, what is that uniqueness? Um, during the festival, I think that that is um, anywhere from the candidates staying with these, these different families to uh, walking down the street from vendor to vendor and you seeing people that are from out of town, but, you know, or from Pineville and they come in and they want to go into the local Floco, which was a restaurant here on the corner. And they want to sit down and have lunch with you. Um, they want to go in the bell theater and, and just, you know, chill out and take a break and just kind of reminisce maybe. But when you walk into Pineville, you know, you just get that sense of you're comfortable. It's a small town, you know, everybody, you know, your way around, there's no stress that's just some unique things that you know we all take for granted where we're living you know I'm in downtown Pineville and I can walk anywhere within five minutes you know and that's just something that you don't get everywhere I mean even when I lived in London not that that's the big city but to me it was the big city because it took me 30 minutes to get to work compared to now I can leave the house five minutes before I'm supposed to be there, you know, and get there on time. And that's just also the unique uniqueness of the festival. You know, everybody just jumps in and helps. Even the years that it has rained and last minute, we've had to change the outside pageant to the, in the inside pageant. And, you know, you're just in pure chaos, but everybody jumps in to help. If you win a basketball game here, you get led into town by a fire truck and they shoot fireworks downtown. You know, <laughs> I mean, that's so, just stuff so, that so you get I, in small town USA. So what I hear, what I hear you saying over and over again, Ashley, is the greatness about Appalachia is the sense of family and the sense of pride in your community. So I think that kind of wraps up everything you're trying to say in, in, a, in a perfect way. And, and I think Will would, would say the same. Yeah, absolutely. Agree with that 100%. Uh, Ashley, thanks for taking the time and we appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having me. We'll talk about the festival some more if you want. Yeah. (laughs) Just to let our listeners know, we have Gwen Awarda with us today. Uh, She is the executive director of the Tulip Festival in Holland, Michigan. And we wanted to get her on the show just to hear a little bit about a, a different perspective, get us outside Appalachia and, and hear from Gwen and see what's going on there and see if we can learn a little bit. Maybe she can learn a little bit from us. So uh, Gwen, thank you so much for taking the time today. I appreciate you. Yeah, thanks for having me. So um, a tradition in Neil and I's family 
in Appalachia, we're big on tradition, but around the holidays, we always have a huge spread for appetizers. Um, appetizers are big in, in our house, uh, sure. go, go along with the meal, but just to, just to kick things off, if you, and this is, like I said, this is something we ask all our guests, but do you have a favorite appetizer or an appetizer that you eat at the holidays or any other time? Wow. That's a great question. For, <laughs> I'm a big fan of the charcuterie boards. So I love nice. crackers and, you know, adding some of the meat and olives. So that's kind of my, my go-to appetizer. Great answer. Great answer. Yeah, I like that too. Just to let our listeners know, can you maybe introduce yourself and tell a little bit about the festival and, and uh, we'll, we'll get into it later, but kind of the history behind the festival. Sure. So the, the festival has been around for 92 years. It was started uh, by a, a teacher, a biology teacher at the local high school who was not from this area. Her name was Lida Rogers. And she realized or noticed quickly that the majority of the students in her class back in 1926, 27, were primarily of Dutch descent. So she was looking for a project to beautify the community, to get her students involved. And she had this idea to create a tulip day and kind of tie Holland of today or back then to the Netherlands Holland and plant tulips. And it took her a couple of years and she pitched this idea to multiple groups of people. Finally, they said, great, let's go forward and do this. And the city purchased 100,000 bulbs of tulips. Wow. Implanted them in the fall of um, 1928. And then they bloomed in the spring of 1929. And they were gorgeous. And they people came from all over to see them, which surprises me because I really, you know, today everything, social media, phones, cell phones, it's instant information. But in 1929, they didn't have that kind of instant information. Right, right. But people came from everywhere and they really started, um, you know, kind of adding on to what the festival was. They added parades and a costume day where you would wear your traditional Dutch costume garb. Um, and so on and so forth. And, the, and it's just grown exponentially from, from there in terms of what events we do. Yeah, the pictures are amazing. I know you, you, you visit online and, and, you know, the tulips are beautiful and it's just amazing to see. Yeah. I haven't seen it in person. I would like to get up there at some point. Yeah, it's beautiful. Today, there's four and a half million tulips planted. Oh, wow throughout the city and in um, what we call three different attractions. There is a tulip field called Veldheer's Tulip Gardens, um, two attractions, Dutch Village, which has really got um, buildings reminiscent of being in the Netherlands in a small town, and then Windmill Island Gardens in that location has the last working windmill the government of the Netherlands allowed to leave the country over 50 years ago. And it was taken apart piece by piece and built back piece by piece here. And it actually is a flour mill. So it's a grist mill and it generally will mill flour um, throughout the winter and, and even into the summer, but you get more wind in the winter than in the summer. So it doesn't always run um, and actually make the flour, but it's an unbelievably historic um, icon of our community. And, and you'll, most people think of two things when they hear Holland, the windmill and what we call Big Red Lighthouse, which is um, the lighthouse and the channel going out to Lake Michigan. Very cool. I've heard of, I've heard of both. I, I wanted to ask you, you, you know, you mentioned the Dutch heritage. Does the community as a whole, does it still recognize with that Dutch heritage, the Dutch tradition? That's really a, a very interesting question. We celebrate the heritage because that's how our community was formed by a preacher who left the Netherlands for religious freedom and he came to Holland, Michigan and settled here. And that's how this, the community was formed. But it is by no means all Dutch anymore. We have a very diverse community today. So we really kind of just celebrate the fact that the Dutch started the festival or started the community and then mm -hmm. the celebrates a little bit of that. But we celebrate a lot of cultures um, today. We, we can't have a parade this year, but normally we have three right. parades many of our entries are uh, are not Dutch. They're, they're from all different groups of people and organizations and celebrating our community today as well as that history and the tulips. How is the community, I guess at large, how, how are they involved in the festival? Many, many ways. So 
typically on a normal year, we have around 800 local community members that volunteer over the nine days to support the festival. We're a community of about 35,000 in the city itself. We also are surrounded by two townships. So the broader area that people call Holland and call home is roughly 100,000 people. Um, so we've got about 800 volunteers um, and that's everything from picking up trash to being a tour guide, um, working in our office. So it's really a neat opportunity for people to get involved in their community. And you meet people from all over the country and the world during the festival, which I, that's one of my favorite parts. I love that. You kind of already alluded to it, but, you know, kind of in your opinion, how does, how does the Tulip Time Festival compare to other festivals? And, and I asked, I, we spoke before we started this interview, but also on this, on this episode, we're talking about the Kentucky Mount Laurel Festival, which is um, a rich tradition for uh, Neil and I, my brother. And it's in a small community, Pineville, Kentucky, in Appalachia, in the middle of Appalachia. And while Appalachia has its challenges economically and, and, and other ways, it, the festival is a highlight of the year. The community really gets together. We feel like it gives us a sense of home, a sense of place. How is the Tulip Festival unique to you, to your community? I, I don't know if you're from there originally, but is it something that you grew up with? I, I just kind of curious about that. I did not grow up here. I moved here to go to Hope College, which is a college in right downtown here. And I fell in love with this community and never left and raised my family here. So for me, once you know we started having children, you oh, everybody put their kids in Dutch costume and went and got your pictures taken, Dutch <laughs> or not. Um, so the community really gets into the festivities in, in so many ways. We really kick off the tourist season for Michigan in the summer, uh, for the summer tourist season being the first festival in this area. Uh, so that's one way in which the community comes around and, and comes together. We did an economic impact study at three years ago before um, the pandemic all happened. And we found that we bring the community or the, because the festival exists, we bring in $48 million of new money into this community, nine days. And that money is spent at our hotels, our restaurants, our shops. So it's, it's really an economic driver for our downtown area and hotels throughout the city as well. And it kicks them off after a slow winter, typically too, because it's, it's cold here in the winter and you know, the retail businesses and the, the restaurants aren't as busy as they are in the full-on summer tourist season. So we kind of jumpstart, get them through the winter, jumpstart them into the summer um, timeframe for their businesses as well. So that's, the community really embraces it. That's amazing. It's similar to, you know, small town main streets everywhere, but right. especially in Appalachia where the defining uh, economy, in, in at least in central App Appalachia, has always been coal, which, you know, they're not as dependent on that anymore. But, you know, they've come around to tourism. They've come around to, try to trying to build their main streets, which I'm sure is very similar to what you're trying to do there in Holland. We have got a very vibrant downtown. There is never an open storefront ever down here. And when one it does vacate for any reason, it's scooped up right away. This is prime real estate. Uh, so I guess Holland proper, how, how large is Holland population-wise? It's about 35,000 people in the city, but there's the two townships around the city that kind of make up what we call Holland that is about 100,000 people. Okay. And has, because you're in Michigan, has Holland ever been dependent on the automobile industry or any other large industry? We're pretty diverse. Grand Rapids is 30 minutes away and they okay. a lot of the um, furniture industry. So Steelcase, um, Hayworth, Howard Miller all have their head corporate headquarters in this West Michigan area. So furniture is big and we're tied to the auto industry from the supply base side. So we have right. a suppliers that supply the auto industry here in town and Detroit's three hours away. When you're putting your festival together as the executive director, and how long have you been the executive director? You may have mentioned that. 10 years. 10 years. So have you looked outside of Holland to, to compare it with other festivals just to get any ideas or? Definitely. Um, up in Traverse City, it got about three hours north of us is the National Cherry Festival, and they celebrate the uh, 
growing of fruit and cherries specifically up in that area. And they have a similar week-long festival with parades and concerts and, and all the same type of things that we have. And they invited me and a number of other people um, from even around the country to come up and benchmark with them and see what they were doing and share ideas and share back and forth. And when the pandemic hit and we were we had to close or cancel the festival last year, um, they canceled theirs. The National Guard um, has a, a the, sorry, the Coast Guard Festival is in Grand Haven, 30 minutes away. We've really gotten close as a, a group of executive directors and we, we talk, we share. Uh, we've had many Zoom meetings to see what are you doing and what's working and how did you do this and that. So um, yes, I have done some of that work um, and, I, and I met people from like a strawberry festival in California, talk to them about what they do. So it's very interesting. Yeah, that's that's a great answer. And, that, and, you know, I asked because, you know, if if other festivals specifically in Appalachia were to reach out and, you know, yeah. you, you could compare and contrast and, you know, we're not all that different when you when you get down to it. A festival is always unique to its own environment. A festival mm -hmm. is part of the community, I feel like. And, and growing up where I did, the Kentucky Mountain Lawyer Festival was very close to us, but I can hear from you from moving to the to Holland and, and just falling in love with it and staying there and raising your family and being part of this rich tradition. It, you know, it's part of you and part of your community as well. So, you know, when, when you get down to it, we all have challenges, but we all have similarities and, and we're not all that different, you know? I agree with you. We're, we're not. And one thing that's very, I think, a little bit unique about our community, and I've had people call me from other festivals and ask, how do we do it? do this, but what is unique is that we have a really great collaborative relationship with our city government, um, our, our attractions in our visitors bureau. And this is kind of crazy because we're the tulip time festival, right? We're celebrating the flowers. Mm -hmm. I don't pay for one tulip. <laughs> wow. The city buys all the tulips. They plant them all. We help provide some volunteers because one of the parks is all hand dug. So you have to dig a hole for every single tulip bulb that gets planted. All four million? Uh, not, not quite all four million. <laughs> but this one particular park, I can't right. how many tulips are there. We So we supply some volunteers and people love it. It's become a tradition for the community to come out and plant and then come back in the spring and see how their tulip bed looks. And did the tulips come up? Now we get some squirrels that yeah. relocate some bulbs occasionally, but... Um, it, it's really fun. And so the community does get behind that. And the, the partnership that we have with them is fabulous. We then, in turn, as our nonprofit organization, put on the festival happenings. So we've got a carnival, we've got a Dutch market, um, the parades when we can do them. And those kinds of things are all the things that we coordinate. But our city manages and maintains and orders plants all the tulips. That's amazing. I, I, will, I will give you your 30 second pitch to tell our, our listeners, uh, tell them the exact dates of the festival and how they can get there and, and when, when they should check it out. Sure. Our festival always starts on the very first date that is in the May calendar. So this year it was May 1 through May 9. Next year, the way the calendar works, it starts on May 7 and runs for the next eight, nine days. So people think, oh, you pushed it back a week. Well, we really didn't. It always falls on that first date of May on the Saturday, the Saturday date. And we are in Holland, Michigan. We're three hours from Chicago, four from Indianapolis, three from Detroit. Um, we have many people that fly in. Grand Rapids is 30 minutes away, has an international airport. So you can fly in, run a car, come to Holland, walk. <laughs> There's... There's so much to do, and it's all really in a centrally located, probably, I'll say, a two-mile radius of, of itself. So it's really unique in that regard, and I do try to encourage people to stay downtown. We now have three hotels downtown that we didn't have 10 years ago, and that's been really helpful for guests to come. And one of them's four stories tall and has balconies, and when you walk down or go down the parade route, because it's on that route... There's people lining the balconies, four floors up, waving. And oh, that's great. They know who you are. So it's it's a really fun, it's very festive. I mean, this is just a very festive time. And we pride ourselves on hospitality and making sure everybody has a good time when they're here. First Saturday in May, you can tell them that it always starts on Derby Day. Exactly. Yeah. 
We've we, done a derby party before and, and set up a large screen and watched the derby and had kicked it off. Yeah. And, you know, people wearing their hats. So we, you know, we do try to have a little fun. And from Kentucky, I had to, I had to add that. But that's good. I'm glad. Thank you. Because yeah. I watched the derby last night. <laughs> I, uh, I want, I want to ask one final question. And again, it's something that we ask all our guests, but just where do you consider, and I, you've already kind of answered this, but where do you consider home and what gives that it a sense of place for you? Well, th this is home Holland for me. Um, and I think what gives it a sense of place for me is this, is the community and the way that the community uh, embraces so many diverse things in here. And I'm working on one little piece of it. Um, we've got um, a variety of other nonprofits that do other things and just the collaboration and how we all work together make it the sense of place for me. Um, I, I can't imagine living anywhere else. Um, one of my children lives here in town and one just lives 30, you know, 30 minutes away. So that's always great. Um, and I get to see the grandkids uh, pretty often. So those are all the place things that are important to me. Yeah, that's great. That's not unlike Neil and I, my brother. I haven't lived in Appalachia in a little while, as my as the listeners know, but I still refer to it as home. It just gives me yeah. that sense of place. Yeah. Um, th thank you so much, Gwen, for, for taking the thank time you. today. I, re I really appreciate it. This has been a, just a perfect spot on interview for this episode. Well, good. It's been great to chat with you as well, and I hope all goes well with your festival. Well, Neil, uh, I was pretty ex excited about those interviews. They were, I feel like they were on point to what, what we're trying to get out here. People outside of Appalachia that sometimes have that negative perception. We realize that we're not all that different. A lot of us come from small towns, whether it be in Appalachia or not. And a lot of us have those celebrations and have a pride in our own small town communities. And it just goes to show speaking to those from those two different perspectives of how, you know, we're not all that different and we have a lot of similarities. We have our challenges too, but we're all the same in a lot of ways. Yeah, you could definitely feel that sense of pride. I think anybody listening would uh, definitely agree that really far north and deep east uh, got a lot of pride. You know, I think those two, those two ladies were, were, were great, obviously. Yeah. Ashley's related to us, so you know <laughs> yeah. she's got a lot of enthusiasm. But, uh, you know what? What a great job uh, both of those did, just talking about their individual place and and what it means to them. So yeah, and uh, speaking just, of that, I wanted to just get into our last segment here of something that we always want to try to end on a positive note and have the segment of place. And we spoke about that in our first episode of how we would always end it of place of something that from Appalachia that kind of gives us that sense of place. I think it's pretty apparent here. We, we, we spoke about it earlier. We spoke about it in interviews, but we just kind of wanted to end on talking about the Kentucky Mountain Law Festival and how that gives us that sense of place. Yeah, I know uh, you and I have talked about it in depth, but for, for those of you uh, hopefully listening to us, you know, it holds a special place. Uh, for myself and Will. Um, I can remember as a kid being involved in many different roles uh, during the festival, but, you know, those down times when you weren't going to events, what was everybody doing? Well, people just kind of mingle through the community. So the whole, the whole town square is set up with all kinds of different vendors. And I can remember being like seven years old, mom and dad giving us, you know, 20 bucks and you go for the day uh, downtown Pineville by yourself uh, or, you know, with a couple of friends. In my case, I'm seven, eight years old and I spend the day with four or five buddies walking around, getting my face painted, buying uh, funnel cakes, soft drinks, whatever I wanted. It was like the greatest experience a young kid could ever have. Uh, I could, I, I could, I was on my own, man, yeah. going around to all the different vendors, just talking to the vendors and talking to uh, whoever we ran into, everybody's friendly, everybody speaks, everybody talks, you know, you're buying little gadgets here and there, you're riding rides, whatever. And 
they trust that you're going to be okay all day long on your own, just simply because everybody knows everybody. Uh, everywhere you go, uh, you're within a, a yelling distance of your cousin or your friend or your, or your preacher or, your, you know, somebody that recognizes you. So it, it makes it seem like a safe, safe environment. You know, our parents definitely trusted it uh, even more so 20 25 years ago uh as as opposed to today but um you know even still today i mean it's still a really really neat uh close-knit environment that i just i treasure every year man uh being down there and being being part of it enjoying that parade seeing all the faces and uh people that we see once a year uh it's just a really special time for for me well one thing that i remember i don't know if you did this i know we were both in the festival when we were little when we were in elementary school and ashley spoke about that a little bit of how the kids from the community are often in in the festival but one thing i remember the uh cove which is what we refer to as the cove but it's the uh it's in pine mountain state park and it's this uh natural amphitheater right in the kind of carved out into the mountain where they have the queen's coronation where the governor crowns a queen uh, it's just this cool natural environment right in, right out of the mountain and they have this huge pond uh, it's just beautiful beautiful setting mountain laurels all over one thing i remember when you're little and you're in it you have to go to practice so you have to go practice with the queens and you know walk down the steps Any, walk anybody that Anybody that's listening, not to interrupt you, Will, but anybody that's listening that wants to just Google the Cove at the Mountain Laurel Festival and look at images on Google, man, it's just, it'll just paint the picture that he's describing for you perfectly. And it'll take you, you know, two seconds to Google that. But go ahead, Will. No, no, I was just going to say what I remember from practicing at the Cove is catching salamanders. <laughs> oh, yeah. Did oh, you do that? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I love yeah. That. I loved it. You could How do it great was that? beside the stage too. And they were yeah. everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. Everywhere. Oh, it was, it was my favorite thing to do. I know. I loved well, it. I it. You know what I've learned since then? That no, that, that you shouldn't touch them. I hope not. <laughs> <laughs> but that salamanders and I'll have to, I'll have to look this up and maybe I can, I can verify it on the next episode, but I'm pretty sure that salamanders like there are more species of salamanders in Appalachia than anywhere else in the world. Wow. It's like uh-huh. salamanders are a big deal in Appalachia, but I, but I, I specifically remember that from the, from the, the time spent at the cove when we were little, just collecting salamanders. And I thought it was a great yeah. thing in the world. Oh, that was my favorite. That was my favorite thing to do. Uh, I'm glad you had that memory. Cause I, you know, it takes me back to that same Creek that I'm sure you, probably threw them at me when I was young but, uh, as I got a little older I wasn't as nearly uh, as afraid there, uh, but but there are so many you know so many small things that we remember but there's so many traditions just from that festival and I imagine other festivals are the same but the one that I like that I think is kind of I guess comical you would say but also probably not safe is after the queen wins so the, the queens all have escorts from typically from the same college that they come from. But after the queen wins, they always take the winner's escort and throw him into the pond. The pond that's right in front of the stage, for those yeah. of you that don't know. But so, OK, it's right in front of the stage. It's a beautiful pond. And it's it only about beautiful. three feet. Yeah. They always treat the water. So it's blue or I think it's blue most of the time. You Bush can't green. You can't. You can't see the bottom. It's like three feet. And, and these guys just go dive in this thing. <laughs> and they have no clue. It's so not safe. And it's it's such a cool tradition that everybody does it. It's every year. It's it's awesome. Fully clothed, by the way. Oh yeah. Always oh, thought that was a cool tradition. One so, of the best for sure. Of course, you know, we're we're a little biased, but as Gwen pointed out, your, well, community, you heard, it, your, your community is what you make it. And most people have that sense of pride, that sense of community with their own celebrations, not yeah, unlike yeah. the festival for Pineville. I just think it, it's a little more special, especially for us than, than anyway. Yeah, it, 
it was instilled in us by our parents and instilled in them by their parents. Right. And it just, you know, I just hope that I can do, uh, do the festival justice with my kids and give them that same sense of pride when it comes to, to that part of the world and that, that special weekend in May. It's kind of made, made my heart full. We've ended on this. I think this is a great positive note. I don't, I don't know if yeah. you have any, anything else they had to add. Hey man, you just said your heart was full and oh. all these people, all these people listening, they'll be glad to know you have one. So, uh, <laughs> I think that's a great, great way to end. Of yeah. That always come full. out, but, uh, yeah, no, festival brings, it. brings out the best in me, I guess. All right, man. Well, I guess we'll get off here again and all right. Till then. Peace. getting thin now I'm facing down with a grin I've been in the city too long sidewalks and buildings and singing sad songs now I'm back up where I belong in the mountains